The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. It's time for a different take on spirituality for the modern world. Welcome to Big Universe with Jim Lefter. Why, hello, and welcome to Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. I'm Jim Lefter. I'm kind of a spiritual journeyman kind of guy and media producer. I run a website with online courses called youthrivehere.com. Joining me once again is my co-host today, Spiritual Rebel, Sarah Bowen. Sarah is the author of Spiritual Rebel, a positively addictive guide to finding deeper perspective and higher purpose. How you doing, Sarah? I'm good, Jim. And I see Jim is sporting an Empire Strikes Back t-shirt today, so I'm even better. <laughs> well, you know, it's important to wear the colors that are uh, and the uh, logos that are important to you. It is. That bodes well for our podcast episode today. What, but it's the cliffhanger episode of, of Star Wars. I mean, and it's, it's all, you know, it's kind of a, a sad thing. That's not going to be today's episode. No, but you know, the cliffhanger is the reason that we have spiritual practice and the reason that we have these conversations about how to deal with suffering and struggle. Oh, that is really good. It sounds like you're good at this stuff. Uh, I watch Star Wars a lot. <laughs> and I read a lot of spiritual books. I'm looking forward to uh, the new Star Wars uh, TV shows that they're coming out with. I just, you know, when they once once they get into production with the uh, Obi Wan series and the prequel to Rogue One, and there's rumors of uh, of additional shows like based on the Clone Wars characters and all kinds of stuff. I think I'm I'm going to be a Star Wars happy guy. My inner eight year old is screaming, "Yay!" <laughs> Now, I can't remember. Are you a Star Trek fan, really, too? So I do both, but Star Trek I didn't acquire till college with The Next Generation. Gotcha. So Star Wars is in my DNA, and then I, I, uh, I added Star Trek. So I appreciate it, but it's not, it's not in the same way. Understood. Does that makes right. sense. Are you ready to uh, jump into our dueling inspirational quotes? I am. All right, here we go. The creative mind plays with the objects it loves. Ooh, I like that. Is that that's not Julia Cameron, is it? No, it's Carl Jung. Well, that dude is pretty cool. That dude is pretty cool. I, I like that. We've we've been talking a lot about creativity the last couple of weeks, right? Um, and the world can certainly need more love. So I like the idea of these things together. I love that. I love that. All right, you ready for mine? It's a little bit lengthy. 
I am. Let's hear it, Jim. It's called Divine Companionship. I have an inner friend who walks and talks with me daily. He's not afar off, but is within me, a constant companion. I shall never become lonely, for my friend is always near. I have but to speak, and he answers. Before ever my lips spoke, he told me of his love. Oh, my kind friend, how dear to me is thy presence. The spirit within me is my friend. Oh, that's beautiful, Jim. Who is that? You know, my regular go-to, Ernie Holmes. Is it Ernie? Yeah. I, you know, I was going to guess, but I thought, you know, that, that, that could have gone a number of ways. That's beautiful. What's that from? It's from Science of Mind. Okay. Yeah, I got it from, there's a distilled prayer book from Science of Mind. That's one of his prayers. Oh, I love it. Me too. It, it really speaks to me right now. And I think we can all use that inner divine companion as we go through this pandemic and all the adventures of life. We can. I, I think we can. Uh, we certainly all need some, some support between uh, our friends, our families, and that divine support is so, so very important. Absolutely. All right. Are you ready to jump into the episode? I am. Let's do it. Let's go. Ed Biagioti joins us with a segment. Hello, everyone. This is Edward Biagioti. I am the co-host of Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed right here on Unity Online Radio. Divine order is one of my favorite things to think about because it takes all the pressure off of living. That's right. All of the pressure is released when I realized that there is divine order in the universe. The pressure is released because the pressure comes from, for one, me thinking that I have to do everything by myself. Oh my goodness, it's a world, it's a, it's a struggle and it's scary and what if this person doesn't like it and that person, what if they think this and what if there's not enough money and what about the timing of it all? All of that stuff, once I get out of the flow of life out of the awareness of divine order, all of these different forms of pressure start to build up in my mind. And the reason why it feels like pressure, which is actually a delightful part of divine order, is because those thoughts, those doubts, and those worries that, that lead to that feeling of pressure are like rocks and logs. Like a, We're building a dam in a very powerful river that's always flowing. And that river is divine order. That river is the divine intelligence, which is backing us up and always flows in a way of expansion, always flows in the way of our highest good. These are the things, these are the qualities of the flow of life. These are the things that basically are defined as divine order. There's an order that goes beyond any fear-based logic and it's always working. That's why a morning routine or waking up every day, spending time doing an inspired reading, doing some inspired reading, uh, meditating, and then going into some affirmative statements about life, about who I am, about what my day is going to be like, about how wonderful everyone I meet is and how my gifts are expressing themselves fully 
and how I'm feeling better and better as the day goes on, as I awaken to how amazing life is and how, as I recognize how supported I truly am and how one miracle follows another miracle. Actually, Charles Fillmore and then Eric Butterworth, and I'm sure there's others, would say there are no miracles. And the, and the reason he said this is because he meant divine order. There is always divine order. Divine order is actual, actually the natural way of things. It is natural for things to work out. It is natural for things, for things to get better and better. It's natural for me to decide to stop stressing out and just take a walk and go do that little thing that's, that sounds exciting for me to do right now instead of stressing out. And it's natural that when I do that, I end up bumping into the right person who ends up you know, telling me something that I needed to hear or who can relate to something I'm going through. That's divine order. In fact, this week, Daryl and I were booking a guest for our show, Funniest Thing, and it was the day before the show, and for some reason, we had a hunch to call the person. Well, for one, we like to call the guest in advance so that we just get a little rapport going before we get on the air, and so we decided to call this person. We both had a hunch that we should do this. Turns out the person was double booked, So, and the person was double booked because just a few days ago, they're doing their own podcast and they had decided to do their podcast at the same exact time. Now, we had booked this guest a month ago. Now, you know, part of me wanted to stress, pressure, even blame that person. Thankfully, working with Daryl, there's, as long as one of us is in a good state, a positive state of mind, we usually go with the, you know, the joy rather than the stress and worry. So I saw that he was in a good state of mind and he told the he told the guest, no, don't worry about it. We'll find someone else. And I had this like inspired feeling. So we hung up with that guest and we both knew exactly who we should call to have on the show. Within 10 minutes, we had another guest booked. Not only that, but this guest was so excited to be on the show and had already had great ideas about the topic. And we came away feeling even better than if that first guest had worked out. That's divine order. It's not struggling or straining when things pop up that don't seem to be going our way. It's going. It's just trusting and saying, I wonder what wonderful thing is going to come from this and just being receptive to that divine flow. Again, my name is Ed Biagioti. You can find Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed right here on Unity Online Radio. If you go to Crazy Eddie Loves You, Crazy Eddie, E-D-D-Y, Loves You on Instagram, you can find me there, put up fun videos. And uh, yeah, Crazy Eddie Loves You. Have a great day. Now here's Martha Creek with a Unity Moment. Hi friends, it's Martha Creek. I'm in a new exploration of the wisdom Jesus and the teachings, um, the new perspectives on teachings uh, from Jesus, transforming heart and mind, specifically the Beatitudes, which have meant a lot to me since I was a young girl. And today's uh, topic is Beatitude number six. Blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. This may well be the most important of the Beatitudes from the perspective of wisdom that it has and and invites us to. But what is purity of heart? What is purity of heart to you? This is another one of those concepts that has been distorted over the years, certainly in the um, the morality-oriented Christianity of the West. Uh, 
For most people, purity of heart would almost certainly mean virtuous. It would be roughly synonymous with chastity. But think about it from a wisdom teaching as purity means singleness. And then another translation of the Beatitude then would read, Blessed are those whose heart is not divided. Blessed are those whose heart is not divided. Or blessed are those whose heart is unified whole. And even feel the difference of that. A single heart. And when the heart becomes single, that is, when the, when its desire is one thing only, when it can live in perfect alignment in a resonant field, um, then we see God. And to the degree that we can live in that alignment, in, in that atonement, if you will, that awareness, then seeing God is much more uh, achievable. This does not mean then that God is an object, but rather I see through the eyes of non-duality. So then as I see God, God sees itself. God sees itself as me. Whoa. What if that's true? Then how in the world can we do this? So just know that it's worth noting that in this particular beatitude, somehow when the heart becomes single, there's rest. So imagine how your heart would be at rest, a contented heart. Blessed are the heart who is not divided. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessings, friends, as you transform your heart and mind. MarthaCreek.com And now it's time for our interview. Jonathan Hammond is a teacher, energy healer, shamanic practitioner, and spiritual counselor. Before beginning his work in holistic health and spirituality, he had a career as an award-winning actor, appearing in Broadway, and on television. A graduate of Harvard University and the University of Michigan, Jonathan is an interfaith minister and certified spiritual counselor. He's a master teacher in shamanic Reiki and holds certifications in Cherokee bodywork, Puna, and Ho'oponopono. Did I get that right? Close enough. Close enough. He's an ordained Alakai leader or guide through Aloha International. Jonathan teaches classes and gives lectures in shamanism, energy healing, spirituality, and HUNA at the One Spirit Learning Alliance in New York City, the Omega Institute for Holistic Studies, and other major venues around the world. Jonathan is, a pro in, is in private practice in New York City, and uh, he has written the book, The Shaman's Mind, HUNA Wisdom to Change Your Life is his book. Hi, Jonathan. Welcome to Big Universe. It's so wonderful to be here. Hello, Jim, and hello, Sarah. It's really great to, to uh, be with you. Well, it's awesome to have you. Um, so, you know, I just want to dive right in. There's so much great stuff in your book, and I uh, really enjoyed looking at it. And um, so I guess the first question I have is, you start with, uh, in the preface, you say that the book is about becoming a finder and no longer a seeker. And what do you mean by that? Uh, well, I think that that uh, we're we don't have time anymore for uh, too much stuckness. It's time for for the people who are uh, to facilitate the the major solutions to this planet and to 
the uh, ascension of consciousness that needs to happen in order to save humanity and save the planet, that it's time that, that all of us who've been doing our spiritual work and taking our spiritual classes and reading our spiritual books, that on some level that we integrate that and we show up in a way that says, I am that and I am part of the solution and I'm healed enough, I'm at least healed enough to pay that forward uh, to serve the collective. And if each of us were, who are on a spiritual path, were doing that to a certain extent, um, uh, there, there would be a, a sort of courageous purposefulness uh, that, that, um, that is really needed at this time on the planet. So it's about putting things into practice rather than just continuing to yeah, see. walk in your talk. That's right. I love that. I love that. We can get stuck in that place of if I just read one more book or go to one more retreat, then I'll be ready to be of service. You're saying something that's yeah. quite different. All, uh, as I talk about in the book, all we need are, uh, is to cultivate a consciousness, uh, thoughts and beliefs that are in alignment with the growth and creation that, that are needed to move us forward. And we each can individually tend to and attend to that consciousness within us. Awesome. Now, I, do, I want to dive into Huna and, sure. and, the, and the knowledge. But first, I want to understand, you know, you're, you're not of Polynesian descent, but you, you found your way to this philosophy, um, uh, and the, which is Huna is the esoteric knowledge and philosophy of Hawaii. How did you, how did you get there? What, what led you to the path to Huna? Sure. Well, I, I had been a, 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 a healing practitioner for many, many years. And, you know, after, after a certain amount of time and seeing so many clients, you just find your own ways of working that, that, uh, that just work. And, and there was a sense that I was rather pleased with myself. There was a sense that I was, I was doing well. I was having, uh, you know, good success with clients. Um, I, I had very full practice. And I had thought in some ways that, that, that I had not, that I had, that this was my own thing. And then after some really formative spiritual experiences, really ecstatic experiences in Hawaii, just, it was just a place that, I, that had always called me, um, I began to look into that wisdom and found out that everything that I thought I knew, as well as uh, many of the contributions of major energy healers, Carl Jung, Sigmund Freud, that many of those, uh, of, of those wisdom traditions were found at least in part in in the ancient Hawaiians and they uh, uh, and through the ancient Hawaiian philosophies, and it was it was a discovery of almost a a, a, a spiritual indigenous psychological model that uh, that uh, that I thought was sort of unique to uh, uh, to myself and and the the strange discovery was that I was already practicing this philosophy without knowing that I was doing so and not knowing that, that, that it, it came from somewhere. So it, it was this very strange uh, uh, homecoming uh, that, that to this day just feels very unexplainable to me. I don't know how I found it. It was just something that when I, when I did, it just, it just encapsulated everything that I thought I knew. Okay, so you visited Maui yeah, and you had an experience, a, a, a kind of a, a vision. Is that, am I right with that? What kind of experience did you have that that created the shift? I was uh, I was disillusioned with my with my previous life. I I felt that I needed to make a shift, and I didn't know what that was. And I was on the the first time that I visited Haleakala volcano, which is Maui's dormant volcano, um, which is one of the most mystical, magical places. Uh, and even terrifying places I've ever been to in my life. And on a hike down the, the volcano crater, um, I sat down and um, 
I had what I can only describe as a visitation, a visitation with, with source, with, with spirit, whatever you, whatever you want to call it. And uh, it was something, something deep inside me was being made over. And it was in those moments that I, I had this almost like spontaneous life review, the kind of review that people talk about having right before their death. And um, when I came out of that experience, uh, I, as I walked back up the volcano, I, I made the decision to change my life and to um, become professionally spiritual and to let go of, um, make the very counterintuitive decision of leaving a, a career that I had been doing well in and was still paying student loans for drama school. And uh, it, it just, it was time for a shift. And that, that happened on the volcano in Maui. So you talk about, we're going to dive into the details of, of Huna, and I definitely want to get into that. But I, I guess um, I'm wondering, you, you talk about the sham, shamanism as being an embodied path mm -hmm. um, and coming into harmony with worldly existence with, with the spiritual element as well. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, from a shamanic perspective, heaven is here that we're not trying to transcend anything, that we're trying to uh, um, form an allegiance and harmonize with the earth, with, with our earthly existence, with uh, what's happening uh, in our lives. And, uh, and to uh, let go of anything that keeps us from doing that. One of the, one of the uh, things about Hawaii is, is, uh, is that you want to be on the earth there. You, you want to stay, stay in the heaven is right there. And that's sort of a metaphor for our own individual Hawaii that we can each create, where we create a heaven for ourselves in our material lives, in our ordinary lives. And so we're not going anywhere. We're not trying to transcend anything. We're not waiting for a day of judgment. We're not waiting for a day when we will be redeemed. Today is the day for all of those things. And this life and this body is the vehicle through which we do that. So that's the embodied perspective, but from a, a shamanic point of view. Awesome, awesome. You talk about the shaman's domain being uh, the hidden and invisible realms. Um, tell me a little bit about that. What, what, what does a shaman do in that regard? Well, there's a lot, there's a lot that doesn't meet the eye. I, you know, I often talk about consensus reality, the reality that we're all used to, the reality of, of plain schedules and Zoom meetings and uh, 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 just how we, how we live in an everyday way. That's one reality. And, Shema, and, and that could be equivalent to one piece of an apple pie. And the entire rest of the pie is the shamanic reality. So what that means is that, is that underneath or hidden or on the other sides of consensus reality are these places that we can all access. And we've done this as children. We've done this as children. Every time a child consciously daydreams, they're entering into an imaginal space that is different than consensus reality. And a, a shaman learns to use that space to retrieve wisdom, to work with spirit guides, to facilitate healing. There's so much that doesn't meet the eye. Even the, every, the everyday stories of our lives, even the, the, uh, the difficult things that happen to us or our challenges, right on the other side of them, right next to them, is the opportunity, uh, is, is the gift. And so we're constantly looking at um, that, that next to everything is its opposite. 
And so shamans work a lot with spiritual paradox. What seems good isn't. What seems uh, scary uh, is beneficial. What seems detrimental is an opportunity. And we're constantly looking at that. And it's, and it's entering the hidden realm of a, of a different truth underneath or around conscious reality where we find other answers. So the, and another way to say it is that the shaman is really working with the unconscious. So go ahead, Sarah, were you about to say something? Yeah, so I was going to say, you know, I, I know there's so many people now who are interested in this word shaman, and there are other comments that come up about, you know, what exactly is shaman? Is it something that is, is a lineage? Is it something that I can do? Is it something that, you know, there's, there's, I think there's a lot of confusion around what this word shaman means. So I'm wondering if you might have a perspective on Sure. On that word. Sure. So the, the word shaman actually comes from the Tungusic people of Siberia, and it is roughly translated as healer. And an esoteric translation of it is one who sees in the dark. So one who is seeing into, into the unconscious, the invisible. That said, um, the word shaman is, has been, uh, you know, falsely attributed to all kinds of, of, all kinds of different people. Shamans are, are answering, a true shaman is answering a calling. They are named that by the community. They're named that by spirit. I myself don't, don't other people have, but I don't call myself that word. That's not a, a word that I, it's also a scary word because, uh, because uh, the shaman is the quintessential wounded healer. And uh, uh, thank you very much. I've had enough wounds. I don't need any more. I don't need to claim that as a title. Uh, we can um, all do, we can all keep, take a deep breath on that one. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so, so it's that, so, so, you know, it, 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 you know, people call themselves that and, and, um, and it's fine. I don't really have much, much judgment about it, but it's, it's, a, it's the community names the person that by, by witnessing how the individual shows up in the world. And what a shaman really is, is a healer of relationships. The relationship we have with our mind and our body, the relationship we have with ourselves and others, the relationships between others and others, and the relationship between everyone and the planet. Oh, I love that. So, I, and I, I love in the title of your book that it's, it's a shaman's mind, right? So it's how to tap that perspective. If, if I'm not necessarily, like Sarah's not a shaman, Right. Sarah wants to be a Jedi. Right. But right. You know, that kind of idea, I think where Jim probably is going to take us here is, is a little into looking at some of those ways that we can use this perspective in our everyday reality. Right. To see those other pieces of the pie. Right. Great. Um, got about 20 seconds. Does a shaman do this for you or do you do the path? What's what what's the what's the the, the in terms of healing, the shaman is the expert facilitator, and you do all the work. But he facilitates it, and even will trick you into uh, um, doing the work. And part of the art of of healing is is that facilitation, that artful facilitation, where it's coming from the the healing is coming from within the client. All right, more tricks when we come back on Big Universe. <laughs> You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
Welcome back to a slightly off-kilter look at spirituality. This is Big Universe with Jim Lefter. Welcome back to Big Universe on UDD Online Radio. Jonathan, let's let's talk a little bit about the Huna philosophy. And mm-hmm. if we can go into some of the the parts of that, what you know what Huna is and um that would be awesome. I, the, maybe we can talk about the seven principles of Huna mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. So Huna is, it's a lot of things, but the foundation of it is based on seven ideas, seven Hawaiian words that, that when we understand what each of these words mean, allow us entry into the mind of the shaman, into how a shaman sees the world and how, how a shaman interacts with the world. So the first principle, I won't give the Hawaiian words, um, it, it says that the world is what we think it is. So what that means is, is that what we think and believe, what we focus on, our inward world creates reality. It doesn't just create our, our experience of reality, but reality itself creates itself based on how we think about it. So that means that everything, everything, every rock, every stone, every car, every plant, everything is alive and conscious and can and will can and will respond to our thoughts and so so when we whatever is internally internal in us whatever our inner world is whatever our thoughts are and beliefs we project that out onto reality and reality physically and energetically shifts based on that material so this is the co-creation of reality yes so is that a a co-creation like a a Group consciousness co-creation is it an, on an individual level? How do you see that? It's it, well, it's both. It's certainly uh, it's certainly on an individual level because because what we think about it creates a reality, and also what we what we limit inside of ourselves also creates that limited reality. In terms of a group consciousness, yes, absolutely. The more people who are projecting uh, love, interconnection, uh, cooperation with nature onto reality, the more reality shifts in that way. The reality right now is actually ill, is actually literally sick. And it's because so many people, the, the uh, a prevalent projection of the inner world of so many people has been one of fear, greed, uh, dominion over nature, uh, profits over people. And the reality has shifted in such a way that it has, it has uh, uh, it become an ill one. And we're all feeling that right now. So it's both group and individual. Then the next section is there are no limits. Yes, so that means that there is no separation. That separation is, from a Huna perspective is merely an illusion. So that means that we are all part of one thing, one happening, one uh, universe. Uh, you know, they talk about multiple universes. That's, that's, uh, that's silly. It, universe means one. There is only one universe. And because everything is connected and what what makes that connection are, are our thoughts and our intentions. Um, that means that we can affect others uh, through, through time and distance, through space. And so that means that, that, that everything is connected. So what we think about on some level, uh, we are connected to. When shamans call in the, the, the four directions and the sky and, and the earth, what they're doing is they're calling in everything. And they're saying, I'm sitting in the center of everything and that everything is available to me. And all the energies in all those different directions are available to me. So limitlessness is the nature of reality and not just limitlessness between in space, but the limitless even in our own minds and imaginations. 
Energy flows where attention goes. Yeah, energy flows where attention goes. That's the, that's the third principle. So what that is saying is that what we, where we place our focus and, and attention elicit an energetic response from the universe that brings about the, the, into material existence that, that whatever we put our focus and attention on. So it's saying that we live in a symbiotic relationship with the universe and the universe will gladly lend, lend us some of its creative spark in response to what we put our focus and, our, and attention on. And that, you know, while that seems a, a little meta, it's not really. If you think about uh, any project that you've done, anything that you've given continual focus and attention to, that you, you find that other things come in to help that, particularly when you've removed the fear and doubt around what it is that you're, that you're focusing and giving attention to. And so this is saying that, that there are energetic considerations to whatever we are placing our focus and attention on. And those energetic, uh, those energetic forces are coming in to create our reality. Now is the moment of power. Yeah, you can only do it. Yesterday's gone. Tomorrow isn't. Uh, tomorrow doesn't exist. You can only do anything right now. There is no power yesterday. There is no power. You can't get wet by yesterday's rain. You can't get burned by tomorrow's sun. The only way, the only place you can access any power, the only place where you can do anything, is in the now. In Hawaiian, uh, there are no past tense uh, in the language, no past or future tense. Everything is in the present moment. So a, a sentence like, I went to the store yesterday to buy milk, in Hawaiian would be translated, uh, uh, my having gone to the store yesterday to buy milk is now over. So it takes, it takes mindfulness and, and this idea of the power of now to a whole new place, because it is, it is literally saying that that's, all we, that's the only place where we can access power. I love that. That's, you know, we get to such a place of yet, right? Where I, I, I can't do this yet, or I can't do that yet, or I have to wait for all the planets to align in the perfect way for me to do my creative project, right? Or whatever. And I think that you're really drawing attention to that, that power right now, not the power of like far off. That's right. And even, that we get that's stuck right, in. Sarah. And even if it hasn't manifested, it's still right now, you know, it, whatever you put out there, it, even if it hasn't manifested, what you're, what you're doing in the now is you're saying it's coming. You're saying it's coming. You're still giving it in the now a, a reality, even if it hasn't actually materialized. Oh, I like that. This one I really need to hear. To love is to be happy with. Tell yeah, me about so, that. So this is aloha. So uh, this is the only ethic in, in, in Huna. Love is the only ethic. Love is the tool of the shaman. And what that means is, is that every action we take, every thought we think, we are inclusive that love's perspective is always present. And, and to uh, share love with another, to share happiness, is, is to bring happiness. And so aloha actually means, uh, alo means to share with, ha means uh, energy or life force. So to, so to share life force with another is to bring oha, which is also a word in a, a, a smaller syllable in aloha, which means joy. So to share life with another is to bring joy. And that perspective is, is needed with everything we do. It doesn't mean that we're happy all the time because sometimes the most loving thing to do is to be brutally confrontational or extricate yourself from a situation or say goodbye to a loved one, whatever it is. But, but that we are always, that love is always in some way present. So that's what, that's what that is. And when it is present, it will inevitably lead to happiness. How do we feel that love? Well, I think 
in our bodies, in our bodies with a sense of, with a sense of rightness, with a sense of, of, uh, you know, you know, you you know the times when you've taken an action that's been beneficial or good for you, and you, there are feelings or emotions of pleasurable emotions that accompany it, or when you do something that's antithetical to to your best interest, and you feel agitating emotions. You can actually feel that. We, you know, our bodies are are directional apparatuses that, if we would listen to them, that we're wired for pleasure. You know, we're wired for we're wired for what's good for us. Pleasure without a hangover. Very important. Very important. That's right. Uh, but but we feel it. We, we we feel it if we allow ourselves. And and just to say, we are often socialized away from feeling our feelings. You know, the 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 body mind split is a, a real phenomenon. And so so much of my work is about about restoring the congruency between the head agreeing with the body. Because the body tells the truth and its emotions, and then the head says, "Yeah, but you shouldn't be doing that, or or uh, uh, maybe you should look at it this way, or that's not polite, or or whatever." And so uh, that congruency is 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 uh, is the definition of what healed really is, and you can feel it. All power comes from within. Yeah. So this is a this is a meta one. This is um, this uh, if you've heard the word mana, um, uh, that's that's the Hawaiian word. So that means essentially that there is nothing outside of us that is more powerful than we are. Uh, and there is no truth outside of us that is more real than our truth. And so, so our individual ability to create our lives, to create our reality, to attend and harvest our, our thoughts, intentions, and beliefs in such a way that we are uh, creating a life that, that works for us, is uh, within all of our power individually. Now, just to say this out loud, there are of course uh, things in place, power structures in place that keep people from the freedom to do this. And I don't, I don't want to acknowledge that, that everyone necessarily has the freedom to act on any of these principles, just to say that, that out loud. But left to, our, left to our own devices, we all have, all the power comes from within. And when, when we talk about uh, mana, or power, we're talking about divine power, that, that we are all an aperture through which God sees itself, or the universe sees itself, or spirit sees itself. And so that means that we are each a part of spirit. We are each a divine being. And in a, from a Hawaiian cosmological point of view, uh, the, the human is, is a god, that we are all gods. There's even a, uh, an, an adage in Hawaiian that says, love yourself as you would love God. And what it's getting at is that in doing so, you're just acknowledging the God within you. And if God is within you, then that means that all power lies with, from within. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. The final principle, the effectiveness is the measure of truth. What do you yeah. mean by that? If it works, it's true. If it doesn't work, it's not true. That's what that means. And, <laughs> That's what it means. If it were, and uh, and my my Hawaiian teacher would even say, if it works, it's huna. Uh, and so what he's getting at it, there are all kinds of ways to do things. There are all kinds of methodologies and 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 paradigms and and philosophies. And uh, it's what works for you. And it's also saying that the only true truth, the only truth, the only absolute truth is that everything is. That's the only absolute truth. Everything else is just something made up. So something that someone made up. And so. So what this principle is getting at is that the only truth is what works for you and what's true for you. 
And, the, and you can see that so much of, of, this, of this philosophy is about taking you back into yourself, that it's not anyone else's story of you. It's not a social media story of you. It's not a, a, a family member story of you. It's, it's what is true for you and that, that your experience comes through that. And then people can agree with it, like it, not like it, outside of you, that's fine, but you create it within yourself first. So um, you talked earlier about a planetary shift that's, that's happening. And I know in the book you talked a little bit about, and I'm going to get the, the uh, word wrong, but <laughs> the fifth Pachacuti. Pat, 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 yeah, can you talk a little bit about the planetary shift again and, and what, what this concept is of what you think is ahead? Well, these times have been prophesied. And I speak, I speak in the book about the, the Quechua tradition, the, uh, who are the uh, indigenous people of the high Andes. And they talk about time being measured in, in 500 year intervals. So Pachacuti is a 500 year interval. And essentially we've entered into the fifth one. Uh, uh, the fifth 500 year interval. And it's, we've been in it for, you know, you, you go on shaman time. So it's a, it's a little less, uh, a little less precise, but around since about 1950 onward. It, but, and essentially what it means is that, is that um, this is a time when, according to the Quechua, the eagle and the condor will fly together in the same sky. So what does that mean? So the eagle, which the Quechua believe uh, predominated the four Pachacutis before this one, is a visionary bird, a materialistic bird. It can see, it, it can see great distances. It, it, it's, it's of the mind. It's of the masculine principles of movement. The condor, which is the, which is the bird that is now coming into uh, um, being a part of flying with the eagle. The condor is considered in, uh, environmentally conscious, uh, feminine, intuitive, uh, loving. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't build a big beautiful nest like, like an eagle. It, it, it cleans up garbage and, that, and, and make, it makes that into a nest. And that essentially this, the mas this masculine principle and this feminine principle will come together so, th so that we can move back into right relation because we need the feminine. We need the earth wisdom. We need the environmentalism. We need the intuitive. We need the nurturing. We need the mother. And that's the part that's been missing. And so a lot of these indigenous cultures talk about this is a very difficult time while that transition is happening. And, and, and there are other traditions, the Hopi, the Cree, uh, they speak about the, the rainbow prophecy uh, along the same lines. Uh, in Hindu and Vedic scripture, there's the, 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 the different yugas, which are different uh, ways to measure time. And this is, we're in the Kali Yuga, which is this very difficult time uh, with, with another Yuga that is gonna present itself uh, that is, that is ab about harmoniousness and peace and, and all of that. So we are, we are definitely moving in a positive direction. It's just, we have to hold tight because it's difficult right now. And for those of us who can hold the consciousness of this time and hold the vision of what we are to become, we all have to claim our seats right now. You know, the, what's coming up is the age of the healer, the age of the consciousness holder, because it's going to be those who vision this new reality, this reality of co cooperation and, and love and connection and, uh, and can, right relation with the earth that we all have to be sort of sitting in now if we're, if we're lucky enough to, to hold that consciousness because we're the ones who are going to help the others. We're, we're, we're the light bearers. What kind of tools might we use to navigate these times? You need a different narrative. 
the yes. narrative, you know, the narrative on, on CNN is, is that's one narrative, certainly a narrative on Fox News from the White House, that's another narrative, but you need a different narrative. And the narrative, again, because the only thing that's true is what's true for you. And because we create reality with our thoughts, you have to decide for yourself uh, um, who you are and how you want this, this virus this time to work on you and to work for you. And, uh, and that, that if you allow it, it's, it, it is, uh, you know, don't slug me here, but, but from my perspective, it is a largely benevolent force. And it's asking all of us to go inward and to sort of go to our rooms and look at what we've done with the hope that, that in that inward reflection, we all come out more courageous, more purposeful, and more ready for the changes ahead. And so even if we are not physiologically affected by the, by the virus, or even if we don't get sick, the narrative of the virus is affecting all of us. And we each get to decide what that narrative is and, 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 and sit, find our place in it. Because we, we, we will not go back to what has been before and the future is just a void. We have no idea what that's going to be. And so this is the time to really do our own inner work and our own inner reflection and, fit and really answer the question, what's important to me? Why, why was I put on this earth? What, 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 is, my, uh, what is my purpose? Uh, so that that's really clear for you. And if there's anything that you need to look at in terms of your own uh, wounding that won't allow you to, to hold that fully, do that now. Because when we can go outside again, over, over these next, this next time or these next couple of years, we're all, all if, again, if we're lucky enough to, to hold consciousness uh, in, the way, in the way that you're, certainly your listeners are and, uh, and you, you and Sarah are, um, we, we will all have a, a very specific part to play. And so it's about like, that's why, that's why the first sentence of my book, it's time to be a finder, you know, because we, know, we just don't have time. Yeah, and I think that, I mean, Jonathan and I both come out of the same school of inner spirituality, right, at One Spirit. And so that idea of stepping up into that call of service or whatever we're, we're hearing as to what is our part to do can seem very, very big, right, for, for people. It can seem overwhelming. There's so much going on right now, and we're seeing even more about what's happening in our food systems and to the planet and all of this. And it can become overwhelming very quickly. Is there anything, Jonathan, you would offer as help to get that, that first step, right? If you're sitting in your home and you're listening to this podcast and you think there's all this stuff, I want to step up. I'm not sure what to do. What is that one thing? What is one thing coming out of, out of your experience or perspective that you think might help that listener? Take a real look at your life. And what I mean, and if there are things in your life that you don't like, look at that on some level, your fingerprints on the creation of that. You know, I don't, I don't believe, and, and it's not part of the Huna philosophy either. I don't believe in, in, in victimhood. I don't believe in, and I definitely don't believe in powerlessness. And so what that means is that if there are things in your life that, that aren't working for you, look at what's there. What's, what's my part in this creation? And do I want to let this go now? What do I need to do uh, if, uh, in, inside myself to, to cultivate an inner deservingness of something better? What do I need to do? So I guess my answer is self-love, that that's what you need to do at this time. That, that, uh, and the whole practice of Ho'oponopono, um, it, uh, which is a Hawaiian forgiveness practice that I write about in my book, is expressly for that purpose. It's about 
directing love inward and really looking at the parts of us that don't like us very much or that forget our divinity or that forget our worthiness or that forget our lovability and really looking at that stuff and, um, and giving this part of us another alternative. Ho'oponopono. Yep. So uh, ho a little bit, yeah. Sure, so ho'oponopono. So uh, just to break down the word, so ho'o is causative in Hawaiian, so it means to make. And pono is a word that means rightness, rightness or true condition of nature. But because pono pono is doubled, ho'opono pono, it means not only to make right, but to make doubly right, to make right with yourself, and by doing so, to make right with God, as within, so without. So that's that's what that's what the, what the word means. So there are, there are many different versions of ho'oponopono. The one that I teach is really about contacting the 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 part in us that's hurt the uh the the child inside who learned something about themselves that that based on some sort of mistake based on how they were treated based on the the pain of the world based on certainly any abuse neglect you know or, or just the hardness of life but we we learn to to form an identity based on those wounds and it's an identity that's less than our true self our god self and so when we do Ho'oponopono, which involves using four phrases and directing them to this hurt child, to this hurt part of ourselves, the four phrases, I love you, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you. What we're doing is we're giving that part of us the love that it, ne that it needed to not create that false identity. And we're giving that love now so that it can let that mistaken identity of something other than our own awesomeness and fabulousness and inner beauty and deservingness, um, um, whatever, whatever that thing is, we are, we are addressing those hurts so that it can claim a new identity for itself. One that, uh, that is created by being so loved. So that's, that's sort of the process. And there, there, there are meditative versions of it. I, I, I write a meditative version uh, in my book, sort of a, a guided practice. But I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. It's a way of life that you're in a constant rapport with yourself. I'm so sorry that there's some part of you that thinks you're something other than wonderful. And I love you. Uh, so in those phrases, what we're, what we're, sending to ourselves, what we're giving ourselves is uh, I love you. Whatever this wound is, it was born of unlove and now I love you. And I'm so sorry that you feel about yourself anything less than the perfect divine being you are. And please forgive me for, for all the times in which I made you feel that way, in which I, I, I devalued you. And thank you. Thank you for accepting this new reality now. Thank you for letting this new loving part of me be in charge of you. Thank you for letting go of this mistaken identity of something other than, than your perfect divinity. And so you, you work with those, with those four phrases and with those sentiments in order to uh, let go of uh, an, an identity that isn't true and that's less than who we are. Is this, now I know this is directed inward. Can it also be directed outward towards other people? Well, yeah, well, for, uh, well, remember that everything that within us is a reflection of everything else, which means true, that, true. Which, which means that if, I'm do, if I'm healing myself, I'm healing you and vice versa, it, it, because there are no limits, the second principle. That means that, that whatever I do, I do in terms of my own healing has an effect, 
You know, have you ever noticed that whenever there's a problem, you're always there? <laughs> I, I'm definitely there. Earlier, I said I didn't like Star Trek as much as Star Wars, and I created quite the problem. That's gentlemen. right. That's right. And and that's right. So and so, what that's getting at is that is that if there's a problem outside of you, something in you is part of the creation of it. And if there's something wonderful outside of you, part of something wonderful inside of you was was a part of that creation. So when we do this inner work on ourselves, we are doing spiritual spiritual activism. We are healing in ourselves, the, healing the microcosm. We are healing the macrocosm. Is this is a Ho'oponopono, yep. if I pronounce that properly. Good enough. <laughs> Thank you. I love you. Please forgive me. Um, so I'm wondering if that is kind of a, like meta in the Buddhist tradition, right? Is, is there a similarity and we just have there a minute in here. terms yeah. of being able to expand it. So I, I popped up too big of a question, but, but I'm wondering, is this an expandable kind of process like that? Where the more that we do it, the more that it goes out from us. The more that we do it, the more it goes out from us. It is like meta, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. There's, uh, you know, and, and you know, as an interspiritual minister that, that every wisdom tradition, we're basically all getting at the same thing, even a, an esoteric tradition out of Hawaii. And so, yes, of course, of course, that um, the, the personal is the global, the microcosm is the macrocosm. And so whatever individual work we're doing, that reverberates, that reverberates out and beyond. And if we were all just doing our part, my, if we were all just doing our part. Thank you so much, Jonathan. It's been wonderful having you on Big Universe. Um, to get more information about him, go to mindbodyspiritnyc.com. Is that correct? That's correct. And the book is The Shaman's Mind, Huna Wisdom to Change Your Life. For more great information about Sarah Bowen, go to www.spiritual-rebel.com. I've got premium video courses and help to create them on my website called youthrivehere.com. I hope you'll join me there. Jonathan, thank you. And thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you next time on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Life is hard, and sometimes you need a little help and guidance. I'm Laura West, host of a Guided Life podcast, and I believe that help is all around us. We just have to ask for it. The universe has a way of guiding us forward with the help of our past loved ones, angels, spirit guides, and ascended masters. On the podcast, I love to explore these ideas with incredible guests and let people know that they are never alone. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you can join me on this journey. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm network and wherever you get your podcasts.